Welcome to the Almighty's Dollar Podcast with Daniel Watts, the director of the EGM Institute. Welcome to this week's Almighty's Dollar Podcast. God gave me the opportunity to teach this road less traveled material to a group of more than 50 Christian leaders in India. At the end of one session, we broke into small groups for discussion and I meandered around the room to listen, coach, and facilitate meaningful conversations. It was an interdenominational group of leaders. Many were from traditional churches and others from independent congregations. Some were from large cities and others from village settings. Some were older and some younger. Some of the pastors and leaders were men and others women. I walked up to one group that was discussing the importance of leaders setting an example of giving for those they led. At that moment, someone in the group went kind of rogue and boldly asked how many of the leaders sitting in that group actually tithed. Awkward. After a lot of hemming and hawing and seat shuffling, one pastor said, I tithe my time. Well, I definitely heard that before. In fact, I heard that on the staff of both the large churches I'd served at in the United States before becoming a missionary. The logic went something like this. Pastors don't make a lot of money, and they can have a hard time making it financially considering their low income. Furthermore, pastors must work a lot of hours and be away from their families. Therefore, a pastor can, can consider the extra time they serve as their tithe. Thus the phrase, I tithe my time. Now, halfway around the world, I discovered that this rationale is not isolated in the United States. So I awaited the group's response. A woman leader spoke first and last. Nobody said a word after she calmly pointed out, and I quote, Unfortunately, Jesus didn't say where your time is, there your heart will be also. Crickets. (laughs) Identifying the Loch Ness Monster is easier than finding out how common tithing is among pastors. I suspect, however, that the time-tithing pastor who spoke up at that conference in India is not alone. As one colleague of mine noted, it doesn't make much sense to give your church when you're paid from their giving. This very issue is addressed in Numbers 18, 8 through 32. Now, we survived the passage in Leviticus earlier, so I hope you're excited about diving into Numbers. (laughs) Beginning in Numbers 18, let me read verse 8, where we hear about the offerings that were to be given to the Lord and used to provide for the Levites. The Lord spoke to Aaron... Now behold, I myself have given you charge of my offerings, even all the holy gifts of the sons of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion and to your sons as a perpetual allotment. That's in Numbers 18.8. Unlike other Middle Eastern religions, the priestly class was not allowed to own their own land in verse 20, but would instead be provided for by the offerings of the Israelites. In other Middle Eastern religions, the priests were a wealthy class. Recipients of the offerings given in various religious ceremonies, they were able to secure land for themselves. And we see this illustrated during the great famine in Egypt during Joseph's lifetime. The famine was so bad that the people went before Joseph to exchange first their livestock for food Then they exchanged their land for food, and finally they sold themselves into slavery to Pharaoh. 
Everybody did this except those in the priestly class. We read, Only the land of the priests Joseph did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which the Pharaoh had given them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. That's in Genesis 47, 22. Across the cultures of that day, the priestly class usually received offerings and gifts from the public worship. Priests, however, eventually owned land, developed their own economic activities, enjoyed their own prosperity, and in some cases became a wealthy class of people. (laughs) I'm reminded, unfortunately, of some of the television evangelists and preachers of our day. In contrast to that common practice, the Levites were to be completely dependent on the Lord for provision. The people gave their offerings to the Lord, and then God gave a portion to the Levites. In addition, the Lord told the Levites that he would give them no inheritance, that he himself would be their share. Listen to Numbers 18.20. The Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor own any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. Clearly, God wanted the Levites to live in total dependence on him for everything they needed, and he wants that from all of his people, in fact. God, however, established a unique relationship with the Levites. To state it simply, God's people enjoyed the fruits of their labor as God intended and orchestrated it. The Levites, however, were to live on the fruits of other people's labor, namely the people of God. The Levites were relying completely on God and his people to provide for their needs. They trusted God to work in the hearts of their fellow Israelites and then supply what they needed from the generous amount God's people gave. The people, however, weren't giving to the Levites, but rather to God himself as an act of worship. The offerings mentioned in the passage in Numbers, the wave, first fruits, firstborn of livestock, and tithes, these offerings were to be used to meet the needs of the Levites. After all, they wouldn't own their own land, in verse 20, so they would have no inheritance, in verse 21 and 23. They would rely solely on God and the worship of God's people, the act of worship that is the giving of offerings and tithes to God. To summarize, The Israelites gave material gifts to God, and the material gifts that the Levites received were recognized as coming from God's hand. In 1995, the ministry work in Poland was up and running. We had interdenominational training, development programs for children's workers in a lot of churches across the country. We'd created some great Polish Bible teaching resources. And in Polish, the ministry is going well, so I brought a young man onto our team to work on the distribution of the Bible teaching materials. I worked with him to structure his compensation so that he got based on a commission. Several months after he started, the Polish board of directors governing the work and overseeing me met for their regular meeting. Early into the meeting, they asked me if it was true that we were actually paying a staff member based on commission. I said, of course we are, adding that the arrangement was working well. Well, the board of directors was not so good with that plan. In fact, the members made it very clear quickly that they didn't like that idea even a little bit. At one point, they asked me if I was planning to pay bonuses or commission to the staff members who were leading the training development program. They asked if I was planning to give 
bonuses to the Polish staff member responsible for teacher training based on the number of teachers who attended. Whoops. <laughs> I saw immediately the error of my ways and the Polish board had to set me straight. All the members of our team were to rely on the gracious and sacrificial giving of God's people. Many, most of them, lived in Poland. Receiving donations for Bible teaching resources was very different from getting a commission for sales. Just as the Levites did, we were to rely on God's provision through the giving of his people. Addressing this exact issue is Numbers 18, 25 through 32, a thorny and often uncomfortable passage and ignored passage for many pastors and Christian leaders. Whenever these verses are read, people are quick to point out the difference between the Old Testament law and the New Covenant, and most of them hope that what was good and valuable then doesn't apply today. In this passage, God told Moses what to instruct to instruct the Levites about their own giving, and God spoke in very clear terms. The Levites receive their income from the tithes and offerings of God's people, and they are to tithe 10% of that income to Aaron, in verse 28. Clearly, God expected the Levites to tithe even though their only source of income was the people's offerings and tithes. Furthermore, the Levites were to make their tithe from all the best, the sacred part of all they had received. It wasn't simply a matter of tithing. God commanded these priests to be gracious when they tithed. Listen to Numbers 18, verses 28 and 29 where it reads, You shall present an offering to the Lord from your tithes, which you receive from the sons of Israel, and from it you shall give the Lord's offering to Aaron the priest. Out of all your gifts, you shall prevent every offering due to the Lord, from all the best of them, the sacred part of them. This command shouldn't be a surprise, since one way the Israelites worshipped God was through their giving. God would, of course, command the Levites to participate in that act of worship as well. In fact, as the priestly class, the Levites were called to lead the people into worship. Also, since the tithe was the tradition of giving 10% to the owner, the Levites' tithe on the tithe reminded them that God owned the Levites' income, and in fact, their lives. And finally, at the end of the passage, we note the rather ominous warning to the Levites in Numbers 18.32, where it reads, You will bear no sin by reason of it when you've offered the best of it, but you shall not profane the sacred gifts of the sons of Israel, or you will die. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) There's no question. God considers this matter of tithing essential. The Levites were to be the spiritual leaders of God's people, And their commitment to living out a life of sacrificial giving was crucial to the spiritual health of the community. This hasn't changed. God's looking for pastors, Christian leaders, and missionaries, all of whom were supported by the financial gifts of God's people, to be sacrificial givers themselves. We're to be the leaders in worship, setting the example for others. I've heard many people utter the phrase, give of your time and treasure. But Numbers 18 and Jesus himself make it clear that where your treasure lies is where your heart is. 
As leaders give from their material support and tithe on their tithe, they can be assured of God's blessing on their ministry. Thanks for joining us this week. You can find more teaching on this topic and the road less traveled in Christian giving and fundraising on our website at www.egminstitute.org. If you like what you hear, please feel free to share our podcast link with a colleague or a friend. I look forward to being with you again next week. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Our next Almighty's Dollar podcast will be the same time next week. To learn more about giving and fundraising, check out the EGM Institute website at www.egminstitute.org.